Hey everybody, Blake with Marvel.com, and we have a very, very special episode of the podcast today. Um, a couple months back, we uh, were invited to the set of Netflix's Luke Cage. Uh, we got to speak with Mike Coulter, Mahershala Ali, Theo Rossi, and Frank Whaley. Um, very excited for this show. I'm sure you are too. Um, and stay tuned. All right, hey everybody, this is Blake with Marvel.com, and we are standing next to the star of Luke Cage. Introduce yourself, sir. I'm Mike Coulter. Uh, Hello. Thanks for taking the time. You're in the middle of filming. I'm sure you're exhausted. Yeah, I just flew back in on a 6 o'clock flight from a Red Eye on, uh, in L.A., so tired is Jeez. not the word, yeah. Um, I'm, always, I'm the guy that always bothers you because we went to the same college. This is true. South Carolina. Gamecocks. I heard you're an FSU fan, though. I am, I am. How I dare you? Well, I mean, I don't know. I like to go with winners. What can I say? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Gamecocks. That's, that's unfair. You guys did have a couple of really good seasons. Um, Spurrier kind of quit in the middle of it, but we're not going to go there. We're talking about Luke Cage. Um, so, so congratulations on Jessica Jones. Did you think it was going to be as huge as it turned out? Um, no, I didn't. I, I honestly, I felt like it was an. I felt like when I was doing it, I felt like when I read it, I thought it was a wonderful take on a great character, and it was a character-driven story. But mass appeal, critical acclaim, or critical appeal, I did not. You can never really tell that kind of stuff. You just have your own personal taste, and I enjoyed it, and I thought it was really cool. And um, I'm yeah, I'm kind of shocked that other people thought it was really cool too, and that to that degree. So um, when I see fans and they express their their love for the show, you know, it's 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 a, it's pretty it's pretty cool. You know, I'm, I'm glad that we have a real you know, distinct kind of voice, and I think we found it, and I think mm -hmm. it's different than Daredevil. Um, I think that people who really love Daredevil um, are, are not so into Jessica because they really are allegiance. I, I, what I really want is people to kind of like love all of us, but it's very difficult right. because each character is so unique and so different. But um, yeah, I think we found a groove. I love watching the show. Like you're, you're just such a like a gentle giant on the show. It's like yeah. amazing. Well, how'd you come to create that kind of character for the show? Well, it's, it's kind of playing off of Jessica. You know, it's her show and I think, you know, ultimately, you know, all this kind of comes to me after the fact. I mean, when I'm doing it or when I'm playing it, it's, you know, it's obvious that he could have done more to help Jessica in a lot of situations, but the show is about her finding herself as a superhero and as a woman and standing up for her, standing up for herself. So I just wanted to make sure that uh, I wasn't, you know, coming across like the, 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 the male, um, who just feels the need to protect and to do all the things that males sometimes want to do for women mm -hmm. in this day and age. And it's fair ground now. You know, she's got superpowers. She's uh, got, she's smart. You know, she's uh, talented and she's, you know, I just think that is that, that's, the, that's the story that we're telling. So I think the cage that people see in Luke Cage will be completely different, but with his relationship with Jessica, that's kind of how it works. I know that we can't, since it's Marvel, we can't really talk a lot about Luke Cage. Mm -hmm. So what can we talk about? What can we, what can you say? I mean, I hate to say the same things you already said on most of the articles. I mean, um, I mean, we're we're almost done. We're going into the last episode um, of Luke Cage. Um, we've kind of taken a journey that will take Luke Cage from when he was uh, first left off, or last left off at Jessica Jones, where he was going uptown. Uh, he's going to find another another place to kind of take refuge because while he licks his wounds and 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 figures out what to do with himself next. And ultimately, I think by the time the story ends, Luke Cage will take this journey as, as um, much like the one Jessica took, but not in, in the same way. His journey is more of one trying to find himself as a man, as specifically as a, as a superhero, who is not, who definitely did not set up to be a superhero, but he found that the community needed one. Mm -hmm. And so in some way, shape or form, as painful and as, as it was for him to come to this realization because he had to he had to you know lose a lot of friends and lose a lot of people in his life to come to this realization but um he comes out on the, on the other side and i think he's better for it and i think the community of harlem is better for it it's awesome I, i'm curious i'm sure you get asked this a lot but what's it like working with alfrey she's been has such a great history in well, film and tv well she's great you know she's an old i call her old wily veteran you know and, I, <laughs> and she, but she's heard me say that she'd be like what old wily what what i mean by that is you know she's really seasons you know we're, we're happy to have her on the show um i felt like she was a real get for the show um she was i think the first person cast after i was cast and um so when she got on board i was like okay we're gonna have a really you know interesting cast now i think she's gonna really give us something special so um i you know i just i just i'm so happy she's on the show really mm -hmm. i am because um it just tells you 
what either what kind of script we're dealing with or the kind of people we're working with that we could attract that kind of talent. Yeah. So I'm really I'm really happy for that. Uh, you were speaking earlier about how like you know meeting fans and whatnot. I mean I, I'm always curious. Like you had a great career before this, but now you're a superhero. That yeah. changes everything. What's it like meeting fans and being Luke Cage? Well, know? it's it's different. I mean I still I still behave the same way. I still <laughs> I still give them this look like talking to me. Like, you know I, I try to pretend that I'm not me sometimes. I you know they'll 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 say are you and I'm like no nah, no nah, I get that all the time <laughs> and maybe it works like maybe two percent of the time um, but I'm you know you know I'm I'm happy to have the fans the fans are definitely a different demographic they're a little more um, exuberant I would say they're passionate um, they're much more um, uh, selfie selfie nation they oh like nice to take pictures and stuff like that um, I myself never take selfies <laughs> but I indulge them you've never taken one selfie no, with me, me and my my nine month old baby oh, cause, okay cause then I'm taking for my family to send them back home so for them I, I do it but um, other than that no and I don't, I don't do social media so it's I'm you know I'm not really that kind of you know so but but a lot of times they're pretty you know they're pretty respectful I think I think the persona of Cage does keep them at bay a little bit, and that's cool because you know if they think they're, that you're too approachable, they will run. You know, so most times they, they kind of like, hey, uh, I, I hate to be that guy, and you know, I'm go, no, it's fine, whatever. And then you know, and, and they're off usually. What's it? I know uh, I got some friends at the conventions. I hear you're doing Wizard Worlds and more conventions lately. I, I haven't actually done one yet. I was going to do one, but schedule didn't permit. Oh, okay. I, I mean, I was I was filming, and so it was kind of based on that. It was you, you done know, New York Comic Con, yeah, um, but never never done any Wizard World mm -hmm. yet. Um, so. Uh, Kristen did that when I was going to go with her, and we were disappointed we couldn't do it together. But I actually have to get out and reach out to her and see how how she liked it. So um, they they made us um, a cake or something like that. I remember some kind of cake with uh, Jessica Jones and welcome uh, Kristen Ritter and Mike Holder. So they're like their bakery. Um, they, they just, the fans are really cool and they were welcoming. Are you even allowed to eat cake? Uh, well, you know, um, I, I think this is this might be a big um, plot line that I'm going to release <laughs> here, but I don't think in one thirteen. Let's see how many episodes. Let's put it this way. I don't know if I have to take my shirt off anymore. I, I'm at, least, at least I'm hoping I don't. From what I've read, I think my shirt stays on this episode. I hate that. I mean, that's a big plot thing that I've released there. I'm sorry. Spoiler alert. In one thirteen, I think my shirt stays on. So I think I can eat a couple donuts now. I haven't had oh, a donut, but I have had a few cookies. I had a slice of pizza the other day. I'm letting loose a little bit. You know? Yeah, we had when Chris Pratt came yeah. by, that he was just so happy to get the interviews done so he could have pizza. Pizza, yeah. yeah. That was the big thing. Yeah, he'll, he'll, Chris Pratt, I... He'll, I'll, I'll tell a story about him later. Uh, <laughs> off the record. Off the record. <laughs> off the record. Oh, uh, so uh, I mean, was the convention circuit fun? Like, what, what was the New York Comic Con like for you? And you, um, you know, I did the San Diego Comic Con before, and it was you know San Diego. I'm, I'm a, I, I like being on the West Coast. I'm, I live in LA. I enjoy it, like the weather. I think people can be more creative because they can, you know, they're not dictated by weather. I think New York is a little cold. You know, they're a little, you know, sometimes a little reluctant to wear certain things. But you know, I, they, it was good. It was overwhelming, but. Um, the fans were very nice. Um, they were cordial. They were responsive. They were eager, and I think they enjoyed the fact that we showed them the first episode of Jessica. That was really cool, um, and gave them something to look forward to. And and they all, to my surprise, and I think Jeff Loeb talked about it. They're respectful of the material, and they didn't want to let anything loose. So they kind of just we, they turned the camera phones off. They put the camera phones down and made sure that because if, if we caught someone doing it, we would ask them to leave. And who wants to be asked to leave during the middle of a of a, of a show that they yeah. love? So I was a little surprised, but that you know we did have security with black you know uh, we call it uh, uh, black um, uh, infrared goggles oh, you could yeah. see into the night night vision night vision goggles. Right. So we did have them walk, walking around the aisles. But it, that being said, I think they just kind of like said, listen, I just want to watch this, and I won't tell anybody. I mean, they were, yeah, they were good. There was a lot of people there. We had, my last question, really, because I've never got to interview you before, but, like, I've had, we'll have actors come by the office who aren't, like, a part of Marvel. Mm -hmm. All of them, so many people wanted to be Luke Cage. Yeah. The casting, like, I've had, I can't tell you how many people. What was it like, like, you became the guy that so many people wanted to be? You know, I'm... I kind of felt bad for the ones who didn't get it because honestly, <laughs> you know, I was one—I was one of the guys that didn't know a lot about Luke Cage, and I know what it's like to want something really, really badly. Mm. But I also know that in this business, you have to let things go because most times it's cast for a reason. Because the person, the people that are casting, you have to understand what their vision is. And until they see the way we're gonna do Luke Cage, the way we've done this project, then you know it's hard to know because fans all have a, an idea. I mean, most fans they just you know ask the guy on the street going, "Well, who's the biggest black guy we know?" And that's pretty much what they're looking for. <laughs> Let me go. Who should we cast? Look at who's the biggest black guy. We know? I mean, that's the first. I mean, so I I get it. You know, I get it. There's a lot of castings in Hollywood that I look at. And I you know roll my eyes, but you know that's just one opinion. Um, but ultimately, if I were casting, 
I would have cast it me because I saw the script and I know that this is for me. So that's awesome. That's kind of well, how I look at it. Congratulations. Thanks for everything. Really appreciate it. Thanks, man. Hello, everyone. This is Blake again. We're at the Marvel offices now. We have the big bad guy from Luke Cage with us today. Introduce yourself, sir. Hi, it's uh, Mahershala Ali. I play Cottonmouth. So before we get into all that, I got to say, you have been had such a wonderful career, like House of Cards, Hunger Games. We spoke earlier. I saw you in uh, Play Smart People, mm. which was really mentally opening to, you know, all yeah. kinds of races and whatnot. Um, what do you get known? Like, I always love asking this. What do you... When you're walking down the street, what do people usually recognize you from? 90% of the time, it's House of Cards. What's the 10%? Yeah. 10% would actually probably be this little show called The 4400. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. which was on USA. And that fan base was hardcore. Yeah, yeah. And mm -hmm. I think it speaks more to that fan base that is very loyal and smart and critical about those kind of... Uh, they have a lot to say about those type of um, that genre of work, that genre of, of, of television and, and film. And um, so it's interesting because I run into people all the time and they're like, oh, I loved you on the 4400, or they're discovering it now on like Netflix. Right. So people are in. I will say about that show, it was it was one of the first of its kind because like it's pretty normal now to to watch a, a series that has sci-fi elements or these dramas that have these sci-fi backdrops or really strange things are happening but in that time and when we went into production in 2003 none of that was going on it wasn't there wasn't much of that going on there was lost maybe mm -hmm. and that was it you know so yeah it hurt it kind of hits me right now like 4400 I've only seen people who are fans or who like haven't seen this yet right it's just like something that just it was bad timing or bad whatever. Well, USA was a lot smaller yeah. then. You know, um, they had one other show which was uh, Monk. Oh. And then before Monk, they had done they had like a little mini series like Traffic that did really well. But they were they were like a wrestling network uh -huh. or something <laughs> like that, right? And right. then um, now you know they have whatever twenty shows or something like that, but they hadn't really branded themselves at that point. And um, so that show, which we got nominated for an Emmy for best miniseries, the first season. That's amazing. And um, you know we found our following, and and the show stuck around. I want to say four years, and and I think. Two of them were terrific. Um, I, it's very hard to continue on doing a show like that and keep it focused and strong unless you have, like, source material. Mm -hmm. So because otherwise it's like, well, how do you top the last season? And so those those shows can sometimes get away from themselves. And um, so it was a little bit of a, of a fight, a little bit of a struggle, I think, on their end to kind of keep it keep it fresh and engaging and whatnot. But I but I feel like we did something good for the time that we were we were on air. It's crazy that if, it, if that had come out now, it would have probably been this huge right or it had the right push yeah. like being on that right network or it would not it would mm. either do really well or it wouldn't because we've seen a lot of it now i think why That's it was able to sense. grasp the fan base that it had was because that that market was underserved they could only go to sci-fi network mm -hmm. and see those things right and funny enough usa and sci-fi or sister networks yep. or whatever and came out through that well uh i want to get more talk a little bit more about that later but let's talk luke cage yeah. for a second like uh what's the how, how's it feeling i know you can't really talk about anything right. you're probably like under lock and key but it's got to be a good feeling to know that like you're i mean you've had hunger games i guess was kind of a similar situation but what, what's it like for you now about, like a couple this will air probably at the either the week before or the week after uh luke comes out but okay what's um how you feeling I feel really good about this show, this series, and I, I think just think personally, just as an actor and the things that I'm I'm interested in and and looking to do, I, I feel like this has been an opportunity where I got to be stretched and pushed and be present in a way that perhaps I in a way that I don't think I've been present in other series work, um, and to really be have an opportunity to play the quote-unquote villain. I don't think as a as a villain you can never think of yourself as such. But mm -hmm. um, but I I'm, I'm just really excited by the series and just getting to work with with uh, with with Cheo, um, the showrunner, and um, 
Michael Coulter, who is just a, a great dude, really good energy, perfect for Luke Cage, and uh, Alfred Woodard, mm. who I've grown up just loving and being such a fan of her work. So just the cast and the writing and the storylines and just us being on set and, and getting to, to work it out every day. Um, because sometimes you're just trying to like you don't know what you're like I never know what I'm doing I really don't like sometimes I'm like I don't know what I fooled these people I don't know what the <laughs> hell I'm doing and then you know so you're just trying to find it and figure it out and just but this barometer in me go goes off and, and, and this, this something goes off and, and kind of is, is telling me that this isn't right you got to figure this out this is not okay and so just the work of of making that truthful and then the director coming back or Cheo, whomever's on set and and kind of you could see it in their eyes when it clicks and they're happy with it like all that i could just it, it was just a really really f phenomenal experience i would say i don't usually when i do interviews with marvel i don't usually get super like in depth with like kind of like socio-political kind of situations mm -hmm. but i've heard from the people i've interviewed i've kind of heard rumblings that like this is going to be a show that's very socially resonating mm -hmm. at the time mm -hmm. like when it comes out is that anything that is that truthful am i wrong or or what um I, I would not say I would not say that you're wrong. Um, I think that the show tries to kind of speak to a voice that is a little bit underserved, and I, I, so I do believe in in the more personal, the more universal. Mm -hmm. So how that ties into Luke Cage is that it's localized. So as they make Harlem and the experiences of those folks there one that is very personal it becomes something that someone in china or canada or whatever can still relate to because you get into the nuances of what the people and what the people in that community are dealing with and so in that way i believe that there are always opportunities as you get into these people's lives personally to somehow connect those things to to what's going on in in the world and how those things relate to certain situations that we've seen pop up over the course of the last couple of years um none, none of which i i don't none of which i can really speak on mm -hmm. um but but i do think that it will it, it in some ways tie in for people what's going on in the world a little bit that's awesome yeah um let's talk a little about your uh your character as well i mean we have the hasbro action figure yes right in front of you i'm so you excited obviously about aren't this thing. be dressed in the yeah. purple and the yellow there's some purple that makes uh, it, well <laughs> some, some some green i would say some green for sure Not so purple. what yeah what's uh, i mean it sounds like you say your character you don't see him as really the villain mm. but talk no. talk a little on that no i i think you have to be your job as an actor is to be the advocate or lawyer for your character mm -hmm. right but but not from the outside you have to do it from the inside so we all i don't i don't i'm sure someone could point to someone who does feel that way but in general no one walks around going oh i'm an evil person right you just connect to what it is that you want and for some people they they want certain things so deeply and so badly that they that in their ambition blinds them to how their actions or their pursuit of the things that they want end up affecting so many other people in very negative ways so some people have this gauge and in, in, in a sense of balance and morality and these ethics that inform them that someone doing harm to another person to get what you want is wrong but other but we also can all look back on maybe people that are close to us or things that we've done ourselves that are quote-unquote wrong but we can kind of do the math and justify it and say, well, this is why I did what I did. And and it happens every time you see someone on the stand in any case, no matter how egregious the wrong might be, if they plead innocent, even if they plead guilty, but if they plead innocent, there's usually a lawyer trying to mm. make sense of for the, for the jury 
why this person did what they did. And then something that feels very cut and dry becomes really complicated for the jury. So they, they can be on trial for life, double, triple life, and maybe even the death penalty, and they get all the way kind of like cut down to manslaughter because people have a better understanding of why that person, their upbringing or their father doing this, that, and the other, and this led to this, and blah, blah, blah. So with your characters, I feel like you just have to connect to what it is that they want and and why they believe that that's right why they believe that that's okay mm -hmm. and then if you're able to do that I, you, I think you have an opportunity for the audience to view you as just being truthful and the audience can judge whether you're good or evil or even the writing may be slanted in a way for you to come off as being the bad guy but you can also also, my job is to try to play against that if I recognize that because you're advocating for your character to be seen as a human, a human being, you know, and so that and that kind of work excites me, you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm so excited for this. The more I hear from the cast, I'm like mm. freaking out because like mm. Cheo, if he listens to this, he, he told me he, he compares the show to like it's like The Wire meets Belly mm. and mm. I'm a huge Wire fan mm. so I can see that that's mm. where you know, characters kind of, you see why they've become hmm. the villain, quote-unquote. Hmm. But, like, do you see that in the in the process of the show? Or hmm. you just have, that's your, like, you had to do that through your crafts? Or? <clears throat> in terms of, uh, uh, you, do you mean... Like, do um, you visually see things going on with your character that would affect him going that route? Or you just have to, like... Well, you can't, you can't worry about it too much. But I think you get a script... Then you start breaking down the scenes and you look at the arc of that script and then you just try to find ways to make him human mm. right and also your choices do inform their writing so they end up to some degree seeing you make someone human and it becomes this collaboration whether you're talking about it or not where they know okay well he can make this a little bit darker and he can make this a little bit lighter and and so it becomes this little dance of how to serve the story and give, in this case, um, Luke uh, a nemesis or a villain, someone to play off of. But still, how does, and they made some efforts to humanize him so that the audience and can walk away a little bit torn, oh, wow. you know, yeah. and be able to connect to him as a, in the way that Daredevil did with uh, with uh, Fisk, mm. right? Mm -hmm. Like you, you still at least when I watched uh, Daredevil, um, I I felt like I had a sense of why he is who he is. So I felt conflicted at a certain point when things were going on between between him and and Daredevil, right? Where you 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 want Daredevil to win, but you also are kind of like, I don't know how, I don't want to see him die, though. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, and I think that's, in that, when you get into that gray area, I think that's really exciting for people because it's, it, we've had so many experiences now over the course of, you know, 25, 30 years of getting to watch these, 30, 35 years of getting to watch these kind of projects used to just be movies, right, for the most part. So now I think the the fan base has evolved in a certain way where it needs to be more layered. It has to be more layered. And, and I think that you're the bar has to be raised so these characters have to become a little bit more gray um, and, and fleshed out in a way where people can look at them and go okay I know the source material is a comic book for sure but on screen when I see them as real people walking around I have to feel like I can relate to that person, you know, as a human being, and and because uh, once it's it's one thing when it's on the page, it's a different thing when they're like having conversations and they're beating each other up or trying to save, you know, the city or something like that. I'm, I'm getting from your answer that I assume you probably didn't really go into the comic lore hmm. to research. No, much. no, that's great though. That's Be, well, and I think that that in this case because of the time in which. Luke Cage came into print and what was going on and and uh, and even like specifically with my character and first thing they told me is like well we're not really going 
he 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 should have the essence of that, but we're not mm. we're not gonna follow that to the T because it has to translate, right? It's got to be able to be be relevant for our time, and it was kind of came out in like the black exploitation kind of like era and genre. So it it has to be able to work for now. So I I didn't. I didn't really go into that because I didn't want to fall into those trappings of trying to and get stuck on because I kind of started to go that way where I'm looking up some stuff and I'm online and learning about Cottonmouth as you should like be familiar but quickly kind of needed to come out of that because I I needed to kind of make him my own that's awesome yeah did you look at it have you looked since no not yet I have I have it though I have uh-huh. the the collection of, of of I have like the canon or whatever oh that's but, cool but I haven't I haven't looked yet I honestly haven't had a second <laughs> but but I, I, I will I will um, I want to ask too I know Cheo mentioned there's a big music element mm. to the show as well can yeah. you talk a little on that it's oh wow um, well it's it's kind of like another the music in it is which is which I love is another character in in the piece and it's kind of the music is a little bit of the heartbeat mm. throughout it right and um when you get in you can't really talk about as much as Luke Cage is a, another superhero that there's something about especially and I'm speaking as from being a black man like that there's something that is so inherent and important uh, there's something that's so important about music and black culture soul music and what what did that transition into post the 70s you know when you had like the James Browns and you know earlier you know Sam Cooke and then later on leading into like the Michael Jackson and people like that tra- translated into hip-hop and them just sampling all because they didn't have instruments you know so what they could do was like loop these records and rap over them and like and that is such a huge we can take it for granted now because hip-hop is kind of permeated into every industry you cannot watch TV more than 30 minutes and not see some commercial or something where there's like a rap song playing in the back or something it's such a part of our culture so um with luke cage following a with you following a black hero kind of in a black community to some degree i think especially so in this that i i feel like the music is really important and and it isn't just these stock like hip-hop songs that it's a as a hip-hop head growing up like a, a very much in the, in the rap music the the choices that and knowing if you know a little bit about Chael's background like him just like knowing Wu-Tang and like he's friends with Biggie right he he <laughs> Chael was supposed to interview Biggie the night he was yeah. was killed unfortunately like, so Chael is like a guy who's a little bit of a legend in yeah he wrote for Vibe he, yeah, yeah like like I've been reading Chael's stuff for 20 something years like as you know so that has to be an element of it and it's an element that with who and who who's doing the music um uh adrian young and 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 ali shaheed muhammad like uh, ali shaheed muhammad's from a tribe called quest so the people who are involved in it is just it's and the people who appear um i really can't properly articulate what that's going to do for the show and add an element to it that I think would be um, uh, the show would definitely be missing a major voice without it so to have it I think just elevates that world and you don't even have to know all the stuff I'm talking about you'll just know that it feels right there's something about it that will feel organic and right and, and everything will fit together and if you are someone who grew up listening to you know Wu-Tang Clan and Ghostface and all these people that 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 have kind of a voice like in there and tribe and all these folks. like if you've grown up you'll love it even more and if you haven't you'll still feel like oh, oh this feels this something about this feels right you know? that's amazing yeah, yeah. chair told me the list of some of the people and yeah. I was just like my mind was yeah. blowing yeah. I don't even you know you just want to scream yeah. but you can't say anything right right yeah. right um so I mean I guess you're used to the whole Netflix mm. thing now with the House of Cards is mm-hmm. it like 
I mean, I've asked this before, and most people say it's not any different, but it, it, it's the same kind of deal acting for mm-hmm. a film or another TV series as it is Netflix, right? Yeah, it's no, it's no different. Yeah. You know, it's, it's. I think early on, I was on the first original Netflix series, so early on, I know that they. It was a. It was kind of a bit of a. It was like a hundred million dollar experiment. You know, like what? So what can we find? Like, let's let's see what happens, kind of thing. And I don't know if. I obviously they invested a lot in it, but it was still it's it, there was I think there was a lot of freedom into for the House of Cards folks kind of like over there because it was like oh this is just let's just see what happens mm-hmm. and I think now that Netflix has become kind of like the leading force in in creating content in. The, this in this era of binge watching that you can't come into it like there was I don't I, I had a lot of questions honestly I was I was honestly nervous about <laughs> doing a show that my grandmother would just she would tell people she goes oh yeah he's doing this show on the computer <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean I was just like oh boy like I kind of felt a little funny about that honestly at first and now I'm like Man, I would love for a Netflix gig to come down the pipe, you know, just because of knowing, seeing right. what it's become, and and it's and it's very much um, a very real and powerful entity that is is kind of like taking over to a certain degree. So, um, but in terms of the work day to day, it's it's no different than working on any other network or. You know, film and TV are, are different, but it's 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 no different. Like mm-hmm. once they call action, you're acting. You know. Um, I got three quick questions for yeah. you because uh, we got a couple more things we need to yeah. do with you. But first one is, what do you what's your what are you into? Like you said, hip hop. Like yeah. what do you do for fun? Mm-hmm. I always ask like mm-hmm. when co- celebrities who are comics fans come by. We talk about comics, but what's yeah. kind of your passion? Oh man, any day I could ride my bike. Oh man! But like, what I, kind of bike are you? Uh, I ride a road bike. I rode. Uh-huh. I ride a a, a, a Parley, um, uh, a Z one, um, very serious road bike. <laughs> but I'm, I'm so I'm a little bit of a of, of a nerd in that way. Like I'm, I could do that. It's like a week. Zen thing when you're oh, on the man. bike. When I was in LA and and I would because I been living in New York for a while and hopefully we'll, we'll be back in LA soon but when I lived in LA and I was on hiatus between like maybe first and second season of House of Cards um, I had some time and man I would ride every single day that was the first thing I did actually it was my first I used to I used to bike race so um, I used to dirt uh, I used to race dirt bikes um, organized uh, it was called ABA uh, American oh, wow. Bicycle Association yeah so way back and um, so now it's an Olympic sport but you know I was in that first group of dudes who were doing it and I was started when I was four and um, my cousins were a little older than me so they turned pro I ended up turning expert but it was we're very serious at sponsorship and all this stuff so that was like my first real sport but um, then I went to college playing basketball so I'm really into sports so I'm very much uh, a sport Head. Um, I'm a lover of of of, of, of good film and and and, and, and music. Um, uh, I love, like I said, I love hip hop. Um, but um, yeah, you know, I just I just like it's for me at this point. Much of what I'm into are things that are going to add to the quality of my life, and and I get. Hey, the good fortune of working in this business is that you are you are busy working and being stretched and pulled in different directions and looking for the new opportunity that's going to allow you to grow and and continue to progress and hopefully you're on like this wonderful trajectory moving up. But the flip side of that is you can be so busy that you don't have time to really connect with one yourself because you're it's so much about doing the next thing the next day and doing this voiceover doing an ADR going and do this that and other you got to get off book and memorize your lines for this thing that you can do and next thing you know you haven't I think I had two days off last month like was working every single day you know so then if you're fortunate enough to be married like myself then you're your life partner is like, yo, when are we going to connect? <laughs> you know, so those things become our very real parts of 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 
our life, everyone's life. But when you when you act and you if you started to have some success or whatever, you just get pulled in so many different directions and and you don't want to lose yourself. So the things that I try to spend my time doing are things that are fairly grounding and, and just kind of relaxing to some degree, but but also where I could just kind of connect to myself and, and what's really important. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, we got to get you back sometime yeah. when we have more time to talk basketball and film. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. can talk about that for hours. Um, I, I mentioned beforehand i saw you in, a, in a smart people to play mm. you were wonderful in it thank you and it was very like you know mentally taxing in a good way yeah. you know um anything else you have uh, i mean that already wrapped obviously yeah. but anything you have upcoming other than luke uh, i started a movie next week called hidden figures mm. um about these three women these uh, um engineers who work for nasa based on a true story uh starts in like the early 60s and um you kind of follow their journey in in working in in what is a a very segregated nasa at that time and they were called computers um because there weren't actual computers at that time really that um that they could use to to calculate like uh, launch and landing coordinates and oh, things, the problems that, because this, this is the space race, right? We're racing with Russia to, to get into space and, and all that. So they were uh, very um, involved in in some of the successes that NASA had moving forward in that time. And so um, I will, I'm described as Taraji P. Henson's love interest, but, uh, but it's a it's a great part, and I'm excited about um, about starting that, and just looking for like I have several things like coming out. Um, this movie I did with uh, Matthew McConaughey um, called um, uh, The Free State of Jones, and just some other things that I'm, I'm really excited about. But but just really looking for for projects where I can just continue to grow and be stretched and be pushed like smart people and part why I hadn't done a play in 16 years. Wow. And, yeah, and the at the Besides the material just being terrific, um, I just wanted to to be pushed in a different. I I just wanted to be pushed in a different direction and and have to deal with because theater gives me a different type of anxiety than film and television, and I hadn't to the point where I, I there was a point where I really was kind of dealing with st- a little bit of stage fright early on, like throughout school and even the one of my early jobs professionally coming out of school um, I was deleting this play and I was just really dealing with this stage fright but I'd get on stage and I'd be fine mm-hmm. you know and so I kind of wanted to revisit that and and see where I was at with that and, and what that felt like and I have to deal with manage my anxiety and be really focused for two to four hours a day depending upon how many shows we were doing and 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 just see what that felt like and and it was it was a fantastic experience like extraordinarily hard hard in a very different way than film and television yeah i've never seen so many people like i was in the crappy seats at the top looking over everyone i haven't seen a play end where so many people were like emotionally moved in Mm. a way that they physically removed you know does that make sense it's usually just people clapping but i saw people like do, it was a totally strange and awesome <laughs> yeah. experience, which I'm sure you saw. Thank you like, for coming, by no, the way. No, it was wonderful. Yeah. 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 Partly yeah, you, partly, you. you know, the cast was just phenomenal. Yeah. So yes. keep it up, sir. Thank um, you. Also, you're on uh, the social medias. I yeah, believe. I'm on Instagram. Yeah. Instagram. I'm, I, I don't do um, Facebook or um, what's the other one? I'm Twitter. Like, Twitter. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm like dating myself <laughs> no you're not instagram's like, like hot i don't do like twittergram or, yeah. or face face myspace you just do that old instagram yeah, 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 thing yeah, nobody's yeah, on yeah, yeah. No, no. instagram i do and really I, the only reason i got on that was because there was a fake one and then just oh. every single picture was of me and i was like oh man i just look like a narcissist <laughs> this dude i was like i gotta like balance this out so you know and that and that's the easier because I, I you can get into a little bit of trouble on some of these things when you start like posting stuff and arguing with people and whatnot mm-hmm. and it's just it's just not my personality i'm a pretty low-key low-key dude so uh, are you active on instagram though yeah, yeah yeah like instagram I'm, I, I definitely post stuff up on what's uh, your on, name is it just your name Mahershala Ali. okay yeah, yeah. and uh like 
last question, really, let's short log line. You've already sold me, and I'm sure you've sold everybody already, but just to be safe, mm. give a quick reason as to why people should check out Luke Cage. Luke Cage? I, you've never seen Luke Cage before. Like, you've seen, and this is nothing negative, like, you, and you've seen Marvel shows, right? And and you, 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 there's an understanding of what that is, but I feel like that this is, this is an added appendage. It's it's something that I think will stand on its own and add to the voice, and and it's it's something that I, I think we I think we made something special. You know, um, I I love what what's been done with Daredevil, and I'm, you told me you make this short, and I'm not making it short. Sorry, no, I, you, no. you should see. <laughs> see Luke Cage because it's it's gonna be unique and and it's it's got its own energy and voice so check it out that's funny everyone's done, Frank came by did the same thing and everybody like there's just so much good to say about the show that they can't put it in a sentence which yeah. is a good problem to have yeah. I guess yeah but Mahershala... just one big run on sentence <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much for stopping by thanks man this is a pleasure me. thank you all right everybody we are back uh, on the set of Luke Cage with another wonderful actor please introduce yourself sir this is Theo Rossi. So I, I told you beforehand, I've, we've met before, I interviewed you at the Sons of Anarchy thing years ago at San mm-hmm. Diego. Mm-hmm. You're a legit comic book fan. Yeah, a legit mm-hmm. comic book fan. I'm, and I'm actually, and now getting way back uh, more into it with, uh, with everything that's going on. I think I, I, we looked at the footage from that time. I think you had mentioned Punisher yeah. and I think Black Panther. Yeah, Black Panther, you know, uh, when the whole thing came to light, you know, I had realized that, you know, I, I, I just moved back to New York recently and all my old comics I pulled out of uh, my mom's house. And it was really interesting to see a lot of the stuff that I used to read. Mm-hmm. The majority of it is Punisher. Uh, you know, I was a big Punisher War Journal fan. Uh, just anything with uh, Frank Castle in it was, uh, was just, again, New York, kind of that realm of everything. But really dabbled in in everything, uh, a little of everything. So so uh, so yes, Black Panther came up, and and uh, and a bunch of other stuff. I'm curious if you and uh, John cross paths a all? lot. Uh-huh. Yeah yeah, we just uh, we just uh, handed out an award together at the Humane Society. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, we've been friends forever. Um, so I I couldn't. To me, in my, you know, especially with all the incarnations of the Punisher, right? You know, going back to Dolph Lundgren uh, to now on screen. Uh, to me, and I'm not just saying it because he's a buddy. Uh, I, th- I think he's the absolute perfect Punisher, and I'm I'm couldn't be more excited for the 16th to see kind of what goes down. Did you give him any advice? No, <laughs> no, he doesn't need any. He definitely doesn't need any, especially since you never know what could happen between us at one point. <laughs> Did you? Uh, so, what was it like for you being a comic book fan, getting this role? It's got to be a pretty big deal. Well, you know what's funny? I mean, you know, my last, obviously my last show was almost, it was very comic book-ish, right? right. It had this like kind of whole graphic novel feel to it. You know, we did Comic-Con every year. And I didn't, it, it's a whole, this is, it's Marvel. It's, it's, it's everything, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, it's the whole thing. So, so when you hear it, you don't realize it. Then you get the call from Loeb, right? And it's welcome <laughs> to the Marvel family and all that. And you, and you process it for a second. And, and for like a half a second, it's kind of overwhelming because you're like, wow, I read comics my whole life. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm probably reading two or three graphic novels as we speak. And I'm sitting here going at this moment when he tells me and I'm like, this is so crazy. What was so crazy for me is when I found out I was doing a run up in Oregon uh, for Nike and another runner on the team had actually just found out that he was doing for the other side, the oh, other wow. comic, yeah, he's uh, he's doing uh, a couple of the films for them, and he had found out legitimately like right before. So it was like, oh wow, that's crazy. I'm doing this, you're doing that. And then obviously, I had known about uh, uh, Johnny doing a uh, doing uh, the Punisher and stuff. So it was uh, it was pretty. It, it was it's pretty surreal. It is every day here. I mean, in fact, especially with the stuff I get to do and and. It's Luke Cage, man. It's, it's amazing. It's <laughs> so New what, York. What, I know, obviously, working at Marvel, we know how secretive it is. What mm-hmm. can you tell us about your character without getting in trouble? Uh, probably absolutely nothing. <laughs> um, you know, he's he's an original. He's an OG from, from the first uh, Heroes for Hire. Um, you know, there's a lot of these nefarious, you know, characters that are that are around this world. And, uh, and Luke, you know, um, has been dropped into this kind of, this is different than Hell's Kitchen. This is Harlem, and it's uh, 
It's really interesting down here. And uh, I just can tell you that Shades is a man who always has a plan. And I think that that's... He's, he's probably the most interesting character I've ever played. Really? Yeah. Just because there's so much going on. And, 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 and I've, you know, I've been really lucky to play a lot of great characters. This guy has a lot going on. And, and we're learning just more and more all the time. You mentioned the difference between Hell's Kitchen and Harlem. How much does Harlem its own character... It, it is. It should have a number on the call sheet. I mean, every day when you come in, it's like you know, it's 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 the style. It's the style. It's the it's the music. It's the it's the life. It's the streets. It's you go to, you go to Harlem. Harlem looks different than the rest of New York City. You know, the streets are wider. The buildings are shorter. There's more air. It's it's a very different atmosphere in general. And like I said, I feel like almost like the air is different. And there's the 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 whole vibe is kind of different. And the way it's used in this show is like you said, it's like another character. And to see these characters navigate in this really stylistic world of not just everything from the clothes to the music to just the way people are is a, it's, it's a whole, it's, a, it's an element that I believe no show has seen. Have you, were you reading, have you read Luke previously? Yeah, I, I knew, I knew obviously a lot about him, uh, you know, it wasn't something that I read, you know, I obviously knew a lot about Iron Fist too. And then, you know, just in things like the Defenders and coming up and reading New Avengers and stuff like that. I was, it was always kind of cross in, obviously big Secret War stuff and stuff like that. So always, most of these characters blend in. Who I was reading on my own was always like Wolverine, Punisher, uh, and then some obscure things. You're like here some of those there. brooding guys. Yeah, I think you know. And <laughs> what I love about Luke, the the truth is, what I love about Luke, why he's so different, why Cage is so different than anybody else, is he didn't want this. There are times when he still questions if he wants this. You know what I mean? And and what I love more is like the difference with Black Panther is this royalty, you know, this prince from right. this other country. This is this guy who like. This thing happened to, and he's in Harlem kind of trying to deny his powers. You know, he's trying to deny this whole thing and keep it quiet. And then he's like, well, I might as well get paid for it. And it's like <laughs> true, like, street-level superhero. And, yeah, we saw that, you know, we see it with, with Matt Murdock. We see it with Daredevil. We see it with, obviously, the Punisher. But they, they had, you know, horrific things happen to them. And, 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 yes, horrific things, you know, did happen to Luke. But Luke didn't want any of this. He's not chasing this. And that's what makes it so interesting. I think that's why you're so drawn in. And that's why I think this series is so different than all the others. Well, you sold me, man. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank was, you. It was a pleasure talking to you. This Thank is awesome. Thank you, man. Thank you very much. All right. Hey, everybody. We are back once again, this time inside the Marvel headquarters with another major cast member from Luke Cage. Introduce yourself, sir. I'm Frank Whaley, and I play uh, Detective Raphael Scarf. I got to mention, I know probably everybody listening has seen you in something or multiple things. Yeah. What do you usually get uh, called out for, like walking down the street or, or whatnot? Um, well, usually when I'm walking down the street, someone will just say, hey, hey, man, what's up? And, uh, <laughs> they, have no, and they have no idea what it is. It's usually three. It's usually three. I can see three different reactions in, in one. Like they're like. I know that guy. Wait a minute, where do I know that guy from? <laughs> What's that guy doing here? Because um, I live in Connecticut, like, I, and I live in a small, like, a small town in Connecticut. And so I'll be in the grocery store, and somebody, somebody will come around the corner and they'll see me, and I'll say, "Wait, I know that guy. How do I know that guy? What's he doing in the grocery store in Reading, Connecticut?" So, but, but if they say, if they, if they recognize me, everything specifically, it's probably Pulp Fiction. I could see that, yeah. yeah. Or, or Swimming with Sharks, which is kind of a cult thing, or. Like I said, you know, any number of, you know, things that I've been, you know, been in or on. Yeah, we had, I think, three coworkers found out you were here. They're like, oh, Swimming Sharks is so great. <laughs> yeah. it's a, Yeah, well, that's, I'm glad to hear that. It's a, that's a movie that people, particularly people who are somehow, some, and in and, and some way involved in show business can relate to. Mm-hmm. But anybody, really, who's had to, had to go through horribleness and move in, in their job. You know, because it's all about uh, uh, an assistant seeking revenge on his horrible boss. Mm-hmm. Everybody's fantasy. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure um, people can relate. I uh, I have to mention. I know we talked about it as we were walking up, but you have a very wonderful film that you directed and wrote 
that came out in 2014 that I believe is on it's on Netflix now and it should be for a while, right? Can you talk speak a little on that? Yeah, it's just a, it's very just, wonderful. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's called Like Sunday Like Rain and it's um it is it is available on Netflix streaming and Amazon Prime it just that uh as of I think the beginning of this month March, yeah, beginning of March and so it'll be there it's also available on Showtime on demand but it's with Leighton Meester who's a wonderful uh, actress um and Deborah Messing and uh Billy Joe Armstrong uh and his feature uh film debut uh for for any uh, Green Day fans and um a young a young kid um brand new actor named Julian Shatkin and it's it's just a it's a uh, it's a it's a bittersweet kind of uh, story about friendship and love and set in New York City and it's got beautiful music and uh, it's about music and and friendship and um, I'm really proud of it and it's my fourth film that I've written and directed and um, were you acting and writing around the same time or is there a point where you're like I have to start writing or, or what around, um, I was acting uh, I started. I started acting professionally. My first film I did. I was. It was in 1986, and I made my first film in 1999 as a director. So, oh, wow. so I had been. I'd been working quite a bit as an actor, and that helped me kind of to, you know, figure out uh, how to do it, how to write and direct. And uh, had, had, I, I was lucky. I had been around a lot of great directors, and uh, you know, I had worked with Oliver Stone, and um, you know, Phil Robinson, and. Uh, you know, a, a, a bunch of really great directors, and I watched and listened and learned, and so I started to write the story. My first film was called Joe the King, and that was a story sort of a, of my own childhood growing up, and um, uh, that was with Val Kilmer and Ethan Hawke and John Leguizamo, and uh, uh, that came out and, uh, in 1999. It premiered at the Sundance Film Festival in 1999. I won the, the Screenwriting Award there. That's amazing. And, uh, yeah, so then that kind of all that, that encouragement kind of propelled me. And uh, my second film was called The Jimmy Show, um, which is about a, um, a guy in, who lives with his, his invalid grandmother and his wife and his daughter in New Jersey. And, one, and he works at a grocery store. And one day he decides he wants to be a stand-up comic. But he has no uh, sense of humor and no jokes and mm. no comic timing. So it's a very difficult uh, journey. So he ends up spending the next seven years doing kind of amateur open mic nights um, throughout New Jersey. So it's, um, it's not a real happy film. <laughs> but, um, and, uh, and then I did another one called New York City Serenade with Chris Klein. And then I did Like Sunday, Like Rain. So, you know, I, 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 lo- I enjoy writing and directing and, you know, just as much as I do acting. And uh, does does directing make you a better actor, or vice versa? Are you a better director to actors, or yes, mm-hmm. I think so. I think that my my you know every 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 director I think has something that they're they're they're, they're have a specialty. And mine is as a writer, it's definitely dialogue because I kind of hear the 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 words, and I kind of in a, in a way in my mind play all the roles as I'm writing the the thing. So. Mm-hmm. My dialogue, um, I, I'm, I'm always really um, happy to, to, to approach. I love writing dialogue, and, and, and that enables me to you know, flesh out the characters. So my piece, the pieces that I write are very character-driven. And uh, working with actors is something that's, you know, that comes really naturally to me. Um, my, both my first film and my most recent film, um, the main actors were you know, kind of kids, like 12-year-olds. And... Um, that's a very challenging uh, prospect because you know you have to be very direct and very simple and and in, you know and encouraging and and um, and so that's you know that that experience and and both of them give really fine performances both in Joe the King and like Sunday like Rain these two mm-hmm. kids and so uh, you know I feel like I've, I've uh, uh, approaching that and directing them and the other actors I've directed has definitely helped me in my acting for sure and uh, and the acting definitely comes in handy. And so. uh, you mentioned for like Sunday Like Rain, like the, it, there's a huge musical element. I had heard somewhere that you, when you play a part, you have to learn, if there's a music, if you, if you play an instrument, you have to learn it on your own, right? You specifically do that. Uh, yeah, I ha- I well, I uh, I did. I was in the Doors, and I uh, and I played Robbie Krieger, the guitar player in the right. Doors, and um, I um, so I spent a long time, you know, learning at least to, uh, to look like I was playing. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I'm a drummer by trade. I played drums for for you know 
better part of my life and uh, so I have some musical background but um, yeah I spent a lot of time with you know various coaches and that when I was doing the doors and then I did another movie called Swing Kids uh, where I played a guitar player and I and I had to work on it for that but with Like Sunday Like Rain um, one of the main characters plays a cellist a very accomplished cellist and the other um, plays a uh, trumpet player cornet player mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, we didn't have a lot of time or um, you know money to hire somebody to come in. So, you know, it it we did the best we could. You know, we we brought in a cellist to you know show him at least how to hold the instrument and l- try to look like he was playing it. But you know, you have to get kind of creative with the camera and move around. You know, and and then you know in the editing room use the footage that best supports the fact that these people are really playing these instruments. <clears throat> but those are those are low budget film problems. Well, besides the that totally reminds me. Besides the the great music and the acting, like the some of the pans are really great, especially the one at the beginning where it's like uh-huh. kind of panning through the her apartment or her boyfriend's apartment, I guess. Yeah, yeah, their place. Yeah, yeah. and the the you know it also starts on uh, yeah it starts it's kind of yeah it's kind of very um, fluid and mm-hmm. we tried to you know when you know when you do, you know for me all the films I've made have been we shot them in less than twenty days and on a budget of less than a million dollars so wow. you have to kind of get to figure out a way to get things in one shot or as few shots as possible and you know and and it's sort of become something that I enjoy trying to do and and so that you know the camera moves a lot or you know things are in you know big wide shots and I and I kind of like those um it's funny and when, then when I'm doing like something like Luke Cage you know the, the you know there's shot after shot after shot and I'm thinking man this is a lot of coverage but it's actually <laughs> just basic you know conventional coverage right. but I never really had the luxury to do that. On my most recent film, we had two cameras, and, and that was the first time I ever did that. And we actually shot, um, I, I had shot my previous films on on film, on 35, and this is the first time uh, I didn't. Uh, so that freed me up, and, and having two cameras so I could you know do a wide shot and coverage at the same time like gave me so much more to work with in the editing room. It was amazing. Well, let's, uh, you mentioned Luke Cage. Let's mm-hmm. talk a little on that. So, yeah. um, Speaking again, last topic on music. I, I've heard from a lot of the cast and Cheo that music plays a huge part mm-hmm. in the story. I kind of want to get your thoughts on on that. Well, they did a great thing by by writing it in, you know. And I, the first thing that struck me when I was reading the the you know the pilot episode is you know the stuff in the club and uh, and you know um, it ended up being um, Rafael Sadiq who um, who. Uh, who was in? Who was the, the guest in that and the pilot and uh, uh, in the club? But you know, but Cheo che and the other writers they they always include, you know, the the, the music in the in the as a backdrop as a soundtrack. You know, for the you know in, in the actual script, and so it gives you uh, an idea of the rhythm of the the piece, and it's it's great, it's great, you know, and and you know, har- it's set the the show's set in Harlem, and and you know the. That, that's that's where the music's at, you know. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just you know jazz and R and B and stuff. It's and it's a big part of what the show is. And uh, I, I also told you this before we started rolling, but I was literally on the phone with Simone uh, two hours ago, and she mentioned you by name, saying how much she had a wonderful time with you mm-hmm. on set. <laughs> I went. Nice. I, I got to go on set a couple times, and it was just like there was such a good vibe. Everyone was really nice, from the crew mm-hmm. to the cast. What do you think was a, a, a part of that? I don't know, uh, but it was great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it was fantastic from the very first time. You know, you mentioned Simone Missick, and she and I played partners, and, uh, you know, we had uh, a whole bunch of work t- together, and it was just a delight and a pleasure to work with her. Um, yeah, we just, you know, I, you know, I, I feel the same way uh, about her that, that she does, and it makes me happy to hear her say that because sometimes when you're working closely with somebody, you have – a great deal of chemistry and a great deal of kind of comfort and and that's how it was with she and I I mean and sometimes you can show up on and, and it could be the opposite mm-hmm. that's not that's not great so it was really nice because I knew we had gonna going into this um, my involvement in the show was going to be a lot with Simone and uh, the, ki- the the two characters um, are very you know um, um, uh, scarf and misty are very close on the show and um, and so it you know, and there's a lot of history between the two of them going in, and so it was important that she and I get along. And we had a lot of laughs together, and you know, we just worked off each other really well. You know, and that was that was good. I got to ask too. This is kind of a tough question because it's like 
I could say, hey, you're a part of the superhero world now, even though, A, you sort of have been previously in a couple parts, and then, B, it's not really a superhero show. Right. So, I know there's a question in there, but, like, <laughs> what? I mean, I know you're, you mentioned your son's a big comics fan. What yeah. was it like kind of dipping your toe in, in these waters? It was really exciting. I mean, I had a little bit. I had a you know a little bit of involvement on on uh, Gotham, which is DC, different different world. And um, but um, you know anybody uh, with any sense wants to be involved with Marvel. It's just a great. It's you know it's just such a great brand. It's such a great world, and these shows are so well done. You know, I just I just saw. Um, first couple episodes of uh, season two of um, Daredevil mm-hmm. and it's just really really amazing and, and great and fun and interesting and the acting is great and the, the writing is great and you know it also has all this action and all this you know suspense and so I mean who wouldn't want to be a part of that so for me having this opportunity was was fantastic from, from the get go and and, uh, and then you know um, coming into it with um, with you know you mentioned Cheo and who you know created you know the the, the uh, Luke Cage and um, I'm working with all these great people like they get a great cast they get the best technical crew um, and and everybody at Marvel's been so great so you know it's just been one of the one of the the highlights for me to to be to be a member of the be a member of the family and 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 netflix is also great so I'm, I'm hoping that i can you know continue as far as you're like uh going in for casting i know they're kind of secretive about that stuff to an extent and then also um did you have to were you familiar with the shows prior before you went in or you had to like did you even w- watch anything after or? I had I had seen a little I'd seen obviously a couple you know the um, the um, Iron Man films and so I was familiar with 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 all that and I looked when when you know they they are very secretive I mean they they you know especially with these with um, the Marvel television shows you know they have code titles and mm-hmm. you know and and they they don't let any script out and they don't let anything about the characters out they give you very 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 minimal amount of character so. Um, I went. I went and looked at, at um, you know, tracked down a couple of the Luke Cage comics. Cause I had I had gotten some intelligence um, that what it was Luke Cage, and so I looked it up, and so I got familiar with a little bit of the world anyway. Um, and then when they brought me in to audition for the part, you know, I just did the best I could off of you know what what I could scrape together, and you just kind of hope. Well, they know me; they'll fill me in later. That maybe they just want to take a look at me, mm-hmm. and so that's you know. Fortunately, that's how it worked out, um, you know. And uh, but they're, you know, they're very careful, um, and they're very, they're very, uh, you know, uh, secretive about the stuff because they don't want it out there. They want to, you know, keep it a surprise. That's you know, it's worked for. Them, so it's a good I, idea. I wasn't really that too familiar with your character mm-hmm. from the comics. Yeah, I don't know if he's in there all that much. Was it tough finding him? Or did yes, yeah. it was. Yeah, because I wasn't even sure if it was him. You know, because they named the, the 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 material that I was given to 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 focus on had no character name, and and but you know I put two and two together, and but yeah, he's 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 um, throughout, and he's in a different couple. He's in a couple of different um, uh, series. Um, but and, and and you know they've they've you know they've expounded on the character as we know him in the in the comics too. So it's you know it's a lot different. It's a lot different. You know or or you know he's evolved. Mustache or no mustache? No, not for this. No, <laughs> I, I wish I had, but I. But it takes me so long to grow a mustache. It takes me like eight months to grow a mustache, and <laughs> and and so I, things happen kind of quickly. And I was no, I was doing something else with no mustache, so I couldn't grow. You know before I working toward Luke Cage. I was working on another thing right up to it, so I couldn't grow it. <laughs> um, last question, because we have a couple more things we need to do with you. But uh, what what kind of a log line would you give for people to watch the uh, Luke Cage series? Wow. Um, I would say it's, you know, it's gr- first and foremost uh, set in the uh, backdrop of the, the coolest place on Earth, which is Harlem, you know, with the music and, the, you know, the characters and... Um, uh, it has everything, you know. It has, uh, and this is not a great log line. I guess you know it's like you know it's like fifty different lines. But <laughs> I would say I would say, um, you know, um, Luke Cage is a 
is a is a badass and and you know he's 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 it's it's sexy it's fun it's exciting it's great music and um, a lot of passion yeah that's great again not a great logline <laughs> no, that's me, amazing you know, I'll go, I can go I'll, I'll, 24 give me 24 hours I'll bring you a great <laughs> logline um, one well I lied one last question uh, besides like Sunday Like Rain which again is fantastic and everyone should check it out on Netflix and Showtime where else can fans see you upcoming uh, well I just I just fin- I just was in a, a thing which is still available on, online stuff um, uh, called Madoff Oh Bob right, Bernard, yeah, off, yeah, yeah, with Richard Dreyfuss, mm-hmm. and uh, I was really proud of that. Um, and um, you know, I'm 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 prepping another uh, film film that I want to make, and uh, hopefully in the next year, um, and uh, just writing, you know, and and uh, and doing stuff like that. Well, keep so, it up, sir. It's such a pleasure you. to have you on the in the Marvel family too. Honor, it's an honor. <laughs> thank you. All right, everybody. Hope you enjoyed that episode. Uh, Watch Marvel's Luke Cage only on Netflix starting September 30th.